With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 15. We're taking a look at the 2021 Pittsburgh Pirates from a fantasy angle. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It worked great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, February 9th. I'm Al Melkier and I am here along with Michael Beller. And Michael, uh, I know there's not necessarily a lot of you know exciting things to talk about with this Pirates team, but I, I do want to check in with you. Are we still co-presidents of the Cole Tucker fan club? <laughs> you know what? I, I think we are. Someone's got to be, right? So I am happy. <laughs> I am happy to have that uh, have that role with you, Al. And hey, right, we're going through all 30 teams, no matter if it's uh, the Yankees, the Padres, or the Pirates. So this just uh, shows you our dedication to turning over every stone in the fantasy baseball world for you. That's right. Well, the, the Pirates are today's stone to turn over, and to help us with that, uh, we've got the Athletics Pirates beat writer, Rob Beertemple. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show here and helping us to make sense of the uh, 2021 Pirates. Ah, no problem, guys. And, and for the record, I think Vanessa Hudgens is the president ah. of the Cole Tucker fan I'll club I'll see position right her. I'll just be like the treasurer or something. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that'll I'm, work. I'm traveling secretary, maybe that's 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 fine with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, be, before we do dig into the particulars, uh, actually, you can do a lot of that uh, on the athletic online because uh, Rob on Monday has uh, published a piece of, on the Pirates' depth chart, just dealing with the hitters. Uh, really good and informative. Uh, it was a part of my research for uh, this program. So, uh, Rob, thank you for providing that for all of us, and I definitely encourage everybody to check that out. You're the man who read it. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, I just check my numbers. I was going to say, so. got to check the stats. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, so uh, all the reason then for us maybe to kick things off here by breaking down some of the hitters in that Pirates lineup. And I'm mm-hmm. particularly interested in what your perspective is on a couple of hitters who had really surprising power in 2020. Of course, we had Key Brian Hayes, who made his major league debut and provided much more power than he did in the minor leagues. And then uh, Con Moran, who had something of a power breakout as well. So what are your expectations for those two to come somewhere close to that production over a full season? Yeah, I'll start with Colin first. Um, he's a guy he hit, let me see, hit 247 last year, 10 dingers. Um, and really early on, uh, and, and this is kind of a, becoming a habit with him, um, you know, home run opening day kind of thing, or home run grand slam on open, you know, on opening day kind of thing. And, and early in the season, he showed power. Then it kind of faded a little bit, and he kind of came back with it at the end. I think the key with, for him is that he finally is becoming a little bit more aggressive at the plate. I remember talking to him at Pirates Fest, and he had said that he looked at a lot of video over the winter before last season, and and was really kind of struck by how many hittable pitches 
he just let go by early in counts. And I think last year with uh, with a new regime, same hitting coach, but just a new coaching and front office regime. And just the fact that he's, I think, a little bit more comfortable uh, being taken off a of third base, knowing he was going to go to first base, DH, and get a lot of at-bats there, a lot of regular time. It just seemed to be a little bit more willing to let it fly. And I think the, the power numbers we saw go up because of that. And I think maybe the, the thing that's most impressive to me is just the hard hit rate. Um, he started making more solid contact, more uh, he upped his exit field a little bit. Just a guy who finally started to seem to, you know, figure some things out. Um, are we going to see that carry over to this year? You know, it's it's hard to say. He's a guy who he's heading into his late twenties. Uh, normally, when you hit twenty seven, twenty eight years old, you know, you kind of are what you are. And I don't know if we're going to see necessarily a jump to thirty five, you know, home run kind of range for Colin. But I certainly think twenty to thirty home runs. You know, assuming he plays the full season, assuming he's the everyday first baseman, I think, yeah, that's a reasonable expectation from him. I think, you know, I think Cohen's not going to blow your socks off, but he's a guy you can get later on, you know, uh, for a little sneaky help, a little sneaky power at first base. And what are your expectations for Hayes this year? Well, I I think what we saw from Cabrian last year was, uh, you know, what, 376, 442, uh, you know, a one one two OPS. Wow, <laughs> you know, not mm-hmm. what not what any of us expected. Not at that level. I mean, we knew the kid could hit a little bit. That was kind of the story that the the front office had been giving us for the past couple of years as to why he wasn't in the majors. Is well, we just want to be. You know, we want to make sure this kid can hit. We're not sure he can really hit at this level yet. Then he comes up and tears the cover off the ball for the first month. I don't know if we're going to see quite those numbers (laughs) translate to a full 162 this year. He might develop a little bit more power as he kind of settles in. And, you know, he's still a young kid. He's still only 23. So he has a little room to grow into his body, maybe a little bit more. Um, But I think with him, you're going to get just some decent speed, some decent base running. And that's something the Pirates certainly look to do is push the envelope a little bit on the bases and find ways to manufacture runs. He's a guy who I think is going to be right in the thick of that. So you may not get the power numbers from him, but you get run score, you get on base percentage. He's patient enough to draw a walk. Um, not really a strikeout kind of guy, I don't think, in the majors. So you'll get some good production all around there as well. Rob, let's jump on over into the rotation here. Right now in early drafts, Mitch Keller uh, has got an ADP that suggests he's going to be a late-round flyer for most people when they're really sitting down to draft in maybe a month or so. Stephen Brault, next guy on that list for the Pirates, but not really on the fantasy radar at the start of the season. And those are the top two guys by ADP in this rotation. So do either of them or someone else emerge as a fantasy-viable starting pitcher? Keller has just been so... Up and down to watch. I mean, the, the stuff is good. Um, you know, two years ago, he had that just ridiculous uh, BABIP number, <laughs> which was like a historically bad BABIP. Uh, and, it, you know, that led to the problems that we saw with the high ERA and everything. Last year, he seemed to have solved some of that. He was missing more bats. But the problem with him last year is he couldn't stay healthy again. He tweaked an oblique, and that cost him, a, you know, a couple of three weeks. Um, and it took him a little bit of time to rebuild and get back to where he was. So, you know, I, I agree that he's, you know, if you're looking for one guy to draft off of this rotation, you know, you know, obviously uh, Mitch is the, is the guy. I, I think the jury is still out as to what he can become. 
Uh, I've had scouts tell me that they still think that he can live up to that, you know, ace potential. Certainly in the Pirates staff, he'll be the ace. But, you know, looking at him, can he be more of a, you know, one, two, three type starter on any big league, you know, rotation? Uh, that's still up in the air, I think. I've had other scouts tell me that they, they just aren't sure it's going to happen, that they, they, you know, they question some of the makeup and, you know, does he have the, you know, kind of the bulldog approach that he needs to really power through tough innings and not let them snowball which is what has happened in the past. Once you get past Mitch, you're right. I think Stephen Brault is is a guy. I mean, he was certainly the Pirates' most consistent pitcher last, last year. Uh, not saying much because they had guys hurt and they just had guys who were flat out awful. Um, Brault's been trying to get traction as a starting pitcher ever since he, he came up. And now at age 28, I think he finally got a little bit of that last year. But I'm not sure how much – the Pirates, you know, how much rope they're going to give any of their starters this year. When we talked to Ben Charrington, the GM, he's he's talked about taking unconventional and, and uh, you know, creative approaches to getting through nine innings with a pitching staff this year. That means I think every option is on the table. We could see an opener. We could see piggybacks like we saw last year with Brault and Chad Cool. You know, we could see guys getting hooks early. Um, we could see a, a ton of pitchers rolling through that bullpen, you know, coming up to the minors to, to keep fresh arms going as much as they can. So, yeah, when you're talking about drafting a Pirates starting pitcher, ah, it's 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 a dicey situation because Mitch is really the only guy you can look at right now and say he's in that rotation. They're going to want to get five, six, seven innings a day, you know, a start from him. The rest of them, you don't know what you're going to get or what they'll let them get. Dicey situation really up and down the roster, mm-hmm. and that continues over into the bullpen. It appears to our eyes that Richard Rodriguez at least enters the spring as the favorite to be this team's closer. How safe is that status as the favorite, and who could end up pushing him if someone does? I still think that there's a free agent to be named later that they're okay. going to sign uh, to kind of fill that closer role because they need a guy with some big league. You could say that up and down the roster. They need a guy with big league experience. <laughs> um but they really do need somebody. I mean, Rodriguez did such a great job last year, kind of being the de facto closer. Um, you know, obviously Keone Kella was was injured. He had uh, he was on I think the COVID IL early, and then got injured later on, and, and now he's gone as a free agent. Um, they thought maybe Kyle Crick could be a guy, but he got hurt and, and he disappeared. Uh, Feliz, they thought maybe Michael Feliz could come in and do some of that, but he got hurt. And it really, you know, there was nobody left except Rich Rod. And there wasn't like there was a ton of outings either. I mean, uh, talking with people with the organization, though, they still really think he's better suited as a setup guy. And they would really like to make They don't want to make him, you know, the, the, the everyday, the, the official closer, like a guy they turn to regularly to close games. I think before they would do that, they'll take a committee approach. Crick would get some tries. I think uh, Blake Cedarland. A guy from uh, who might begin the year in AAA, I think eventually could become the closer by the end of this year. Even if they land a free agent guy, I think it would be a guy they look to flip. And I think they just need to get Blake Seedlin some time to to acclimate to the league and, and a little bit of experience under his belt before they make him a, a, a closer, per se. So, yeah, if you're looking to get saves out of the Pirates roster, uh Best of luck to you. <laughs> I tip my hat um, because they're going to be spread out, and there's not going to be a ton of them. Well, speaking of uh, players who could come up and, I guess, potentially make an impact this season, is there a chance that do we do see O'Neill Cruz? Uh, and if so, how soon do you think that might happen? 
or the big question, where, what position? Um, yeah, O'Neill's situation was, I don't want to say scrambled, but it was, you know, a little murky at the giddy up and they got a little bit murkier over the off season when he was involved in that fatal uh, car accident in the Dominican Republic. I think we probably won't see him in the majors this year. He's really their best, probably their most uh, exciting and their, and their most, the guy they have the most options with in terms of their prospects. If you look at him right now, he, he's got speed, he's got some power, got a very good infield arm, although at shortstop, it, that ball goes everywhere a lot of times. You know, I've seen him play a few games in the minors, and one minute he can look like, you know, Ozzy Smith out there, and the next minute he looks like Ozzy and Harriet out there. You don't know where the, you know, where's the ball is going to go. So I really think a, a position changes in the offing for O'Neill. Um, O'Neill will probably be uh, will start this year at AAA Indianapolis, and I think he'll probably stay there until maybe September. Maybe they'll, you know you call him up at that point and see what he can do a little bit. But I think they really need to decide where he's going to play before we can talk about a timeline for his arrival in Pittsburgh. And right now they still insist that they're committed to keeping him at shortstop. But every time we bring it up, you know, that, that, that commitment seems to soften a little bit. Well, you know, we thought maybe about somebody, if you play shortstop, you can play anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think right now we're just waiting to see where they finally decide to stick them full time. That's why I'm, I can't wait to see the opening day lineup for Indianapolis this year uh, and see what position Cruz is at. Yeah, no, that'll be interesting. But, uh, well, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to uh, reserve our Cole Tucker talk for another day because uh, that's <laughs> going to be uh, it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball 15. Uh, if you are enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it and like it when you take the time to do that. So, uh, Rob Beer Temple, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out and uh, talking some pirates with us. Oh, no problem, guys. Enjoyed it. All right. Well, absolutely. It was our pleasure. So for Rob Beer Temple and Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Wednesday. Wednesday.